Hey guys, Steve here. Potent Ponics. Today we're gonna to talk about growing with fishes. Growing with fishes. Hey everybody, welcome to Growing With Fishes podcast, episode 303. Uh, I know we had kind of a, an impromptu episode yesterday, but uh, uh, we're going to go ahead and do one today. We actually had a pretty crazy event happen today, if you guys are not aware. We're happy to inform you. Um, the U.S. federal government actually announced their federal legalization bill, or at least their initial proposal. Now, um, as Marty brought up before the show, this is the third time it's being proposed, but the last three times stock markets didn't react. So, you know, this, we really strongly feel like there's a good chance, you know, maybe not a hundred percent chance, but certainly a, a more than 50, 50 chance that this is going to have a, a possibility of getting through. We figure we cover the bill today and kind of openly talk about, you know, one of the more, uh, um, publicly available uh, federal bills that's been put out there. You know, we really haven't seen a lot of uh, this level of detail yet on anything on the federal level. So we're kind of excited to talk about it with you tonight. So uh, thanks a lot for joining us tonight. Um, tonight, we also have uh, Marty. Thanks for joining us, Marty. If I could click the mute button. <laughs> What's up, guys? How's it going? Hey. You got uh, some interesting drawings there behind you. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I got my, my dual reads on drawing and then half the infrastructure for a, a web farm. That's sort of like my two lives combined up there. Uh, a mesh of network servers to host websites and uh, various SQL servers. And then also a dual reads on plot diagram <laughs> right next to it. We also have uh, Wes Engine. How's it going, Wes? Yes, I want to go on, rude boy. Big up. <laughs> I'm certainly sure uh, some people would call me a rude boy for sure. <laughs> um, uh, anyways, um, thanks everybody for watching. Uh, I'm your host, Steve from Potent Ponics. If you aren't familiar with the show, um, I'll also be sure to check out, we do have uh, an aquaponic pest management course we just launched at thepestclass.com. Uh, it kind of covers a whole bunch of what uh, different um aquaponic cannabis pests in your garden uh, we kind of uh, there's all different types of things in there as far as leaf hoppers nematodes mites uh, aphids you name it we cover it um, it's a really wonderful course if you're looking for that we also have an aquaponic cannabis course that marty and i have been teaching for quite a few years now i think gosh how many years now like five or six years together we've been teaching it maybe more than that i don't even know at this point uh, yeah, quite a few yeah. years yeah four or five right in there somewhere I think it's more than five now that you and I have been teaching it together. It could be um, the podcast. I think we're coming on seven. We're on six years of the podcast. Yeah. yeah so coming on seven. So yeah, somewhere in there. Yeah. So uh, we do cover every aspect of aquaponic cannabis production from construction to um, nutrients, to pest management, to anything else you can think of design, climate control, cloning, seed production, you name it. It's in the course. You can check that out at uh, apmjclass.com. I'll also be speaking at Mycelium the Festival, August 19th, 20th, and 21st out in Washington State. Um, come hang out with us about an hour south of Washington. In fact, on Monday, Matt Powers there on the website here, he'll be our guest on Monday evening. 
uh, for, on the show. So if you want to check us out, be sure to check us out then. He's a wonderful uh, regenerative farmer, knows a hell of a lot of awesome stuff, and we'll, we'll have him on the show. Um, we also have the Organic Cultivators Conference, uh, the Supernatural Conference on next weekend uh, out here in Oklahoma. There's a sliding scale on that, so definitely check that out. Um, we also have an after party over at Ace of Eights. Uh, I believe Susan Wainwright Evans has a, a course uh, as well for as far as a workshop on August 1st, if you want to check that out. She's going to do a bunch of uh, hands-on work as well. So you have a, a whole bunch of different speakers over the weekend. It's going to be a good time. Be sure to check that out. Uh, and then we also have APMJ, uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, APMJNewts.com uh, for this one. Uh, and then we also have uh, the Aquaponic Cannabis a Nutrient Management Service. So uh, Mark, um, Roger at True Aquaponics and I have gotten together and uh, we have this subscription service where we'll test your water and send you nutrients uh, based on how many gallons your system is. It's a sliding scale. We have a, a starting price and kind of go up from there based on what your system needs. And we also do have a wide range of different nutrient packs. If you do, are growing at home, um, you can pick how many gallons your system is, how many weeks of flour and veg, and, uh, and purchase however many uh, nutrient packets that you need. Um, for that full flowering cycle, depending on your plants, your flowering cycle, and your gallons. So definitely a great way to set up your aquaponic system at home and help manage your nutrients uh, if you haven't already. All right, well, um, let's bring up, I guess, the reason why we're having the show tonight. Um, find the exact uh, link here. I had it up. Okay, so this is the bill that's being proposed right now for anyone not paying attention. Are not following this stuff regularly like we are, um, called the Marijuana Opportunity Reinvestment and Expungement Act. So um, we're going to hopefully see this pass. Again, it might not. We'll, we'll see how this goes. Um, but uh, what it is that we're going to get into here now is, is that it has a whole bunch of interesting components to it that I think that are very much relevant to people. So um, this new federal bill would decriminalize cannabis on a federal level. Um, it would also make it no longer scheduled as far as the DEA is concerned within 180 days of passage, um, which is extremely important for a whole wide range of reasons. But one of the best reasons is universities can play with it now. And there's, you're going to see a ton of new information and data sets and cultivation tech and just so many different things coming out of the universities now you know, within the next two to four years because of that happening if this passes. Um, one of the more interesting components to it was the fact that um, it, it does have a tax component. So first off, there's a 21 and over, same as alcohol, which I think we can all agree isn't necessarily a bad thing, uh, maybe less than ideal, but, you know, not, not horrible. Now, the tax component, they're talking about for small and medium producers, a 5% federal tax incrementally increasing to 12.5% over five years for small and medium producers. Large producers, which wasn't clearly defined in the, in the bill, I gotta go back and, and go through it again, but um, what the exact definition was, but they're looking at a 10% tax to start off with, increasing to 25% over five years. Those tax rates are not reasonable. They're still too high. Now, you're seeing many states, uh, uh, before we go even farther into this discussion, many different states are seeing a reduction in taxation rates. California had an incredible overhaul and completely removed cultivation taxation altogether. All right. 
So you're seeing a lot of these different states repeal their overtaxation. Now, the feds want to come in and make the exact same mistake that we've already made in so many states. You know, this does not make sense. Um, yes, it would be wonderful if the feds legalized, but this taxation rate is not reasonable. It's not. And we have to make sure that this gets adjusted or, you know, encourage your senators to vote down this bill. And we'll try again next time. And I think that that absolutely should be part of this discussion is that, look, we've seen the devastation of things like Amendment 64 in, in California, where you have a bill that was passed in good faith, completely sabotaged because they they allowed you know multiple ownings of the 2B licenses, which allowed you to stack 10,000 square foot greenhouse cultivation licenses and allow people to have you know, 100, 200, 300,000 square feet, which that was never the intention of the law. The intention of the law was to ban anyone over 22,000 square feet for five years. So we need to make sure that there are some type of, of production caps on this and those types of things to allow for competition in the market and, and to create more jobs. We have a you know five or six companies with these massive operations. That's not going to create anywhere near as many jobs as having many different cultivation operations in many different states, nor will we have the, the diversity of chemovar profiles that we need for our medical patients. Yeah, I think anytime that you limit diversity, you, you damage the overall product, right? I mean, you, whether you're talking about uh, you know diversity of genetics, or you're talking about diversity of growers, or you're talking about uh, diversity of jobs, like it, it historically, it, and again, if you watch the podcast going all the way back to when Oregon legalized in every state forward, where we've basically gone on this same rant about how you know it's still not actual legalization it just ends up being a new form of prohibition and and this bill's already basically been shot down twice i kind of still expect it to get shot down again i do think that the you know stock market movement you're talking about you know if it's related to the to the mark to the bill itself then and not something else then that could indicate that something might happen but i have concerns about the the bill itself it still sets aside one of the things they added is setting aside money to continue um, to continue fighting illegal cannabis grows, which is kind of weird since you're just claiming to make it not illegal anymore. So <clears throat> I think that's sort of like against what we're talking about here. That sounds a lot more like just more prohibition, but on a federal level, which obviously can, can still exist. I do like, obviously, you can see where they're trying to go back and forth. They give one side something and they give the other side something. But, uh, you know, here they're saying, okay, you will expunge all these records, you know, but we're also going to keep some measure of, you know, essentially law enforcement being able to arrest people for growing plants, which is something that I am still vehemently against um, in, in almost any, any shape or form. So it's hard to to be willing to compromise in that way, but I understand why they want to go back and forth and do that. I don't understand why they, um, why the, why there's the, the need to tax things at a different rate than, than other businesses. I think it should just be like, if the, that person, if it's a single grower, it should just be a personal income tax. He pays the same amount as anybody else who makes that amount of money. It shouldn't be a, a golden ticket that the money printing press that just every time a state legalizes, it's just like rape the rape the industry. Like just take everything we can milk the cow till, till it, till it's sore, you know? 
I don't know. Oh, yeah. No, I agree with you there. There is no logical reason to separate a taxation rate between the small and large producers. I mean, you could argue that the large producers are paying less per pound. Therefore, that it makes more sense to tax them on that. But, you know, I, you know, at least on the capitalism side, I kind of don't really feel like you should punish success on that side. But yeah, I, agree. Time, I do feel like they need to put a hard cap on what the biggest amount that a single person can be owned and involved in. I think it needs Absolutely. to be somewhere. And I think it needs to be capped somewhere between two and four acres. You know, I think if you did that, you would have an immense jobs program in the United States that would allow for the flourishing of many different facilities, a wide diversity of chemovar profiles and the best medical uh, solution to the, the problem that we have today in the United States. Um, that's not going to happen. What, what's going to happen more than likely is that you're going to have eight, you know, six to 12 players that are dominating the market and a bunch of smaller people that are kind of playing on the edge of the last five to 15% of the market. I think that's, that's, you know, kind of like alcohol, right? Ambev owns most of the beer production, right? But you have a couple of small producers that still, you know, make money here and there, but they're a tiny percentage of the market. I think that's ultimately going to be probably the best representation of the market, how it shakes out long-term, but we can hope for a better world, can't we? <laughs> we can hope no. <laughs> i don't know yeah you know what the old saying goes right open one hand shed in the other see which one fills up first <laughs> that's kind of the way it's gone with legalization so maybe i'm just jaded i don't know but uh, right yeah. uh, one of the one of the other good I, uh, so we, we you know well i guess we'll move past the taxation rate and how comically stupid that is um one of the better parts of this is that it does allow for the expungement of records of people with low level federal cannabis convictions within one year of enactment. So um, you'd have a whole shit ton of people that no longer have federal records uh, as a result of this bill, which is a huge win. Um, very few state bills ever, um, uh, at least the very first bill included expungement to this level. So that is an immense victory for our community and, and one where we can feel really good about in this bill. Um, you know, there's a lot of shit we're going to gripe about on this bill, but we can say, hey, this is a good something they did right. Right. Even a broken, broken clock is right twice a day. Um. Yeah, I don't, I, you know, like I hate to still be kind of picky, but I don't understand the time restriction thing on it. Like some people have been like basically you're saying, oh, the people that have been dealing with the injustice the longest just have to stay there and keep doing it some more. So for me, it's kind of like, why not just all of them? You know what I mean? Like. If it's a non and we also have states, places that have done this that have said, look, if it's a nonviolent crime and it's under, uh, it's not a production, so it's not a, enough volume to be uh, um, considered trafficking, then we start releasing them. And they have been able to do that with yeah. relatively good success. So why, why the, why the one year mark on it seems kind of weird to me. Do you, do you know what the, what, what's the logic behind that? You know? Yeah. So the, the next bit of it is, is that, and this is the scariest part of this is creates a federal regulatory framework for the marijuana industry with the food and drug administration, the Bureau of alcohol, tobacco, firearms, and explosives, the ATF and alcohol and tobacco tax and trade bureau, the TTB. Uh, playing key roles. Now that is just a cluster fuck and a half. 
to have all three of them involved in that, right? Now, typically you have two of those three involved in any other type of product. So that's going to be a whole regulatory clusterfuck having to deal with all three of those groups, um, you know, simultaneously long-term. And, and kind of surprised to see them going that route. Um, I kind of thought that they would have the FDA and the, the alcohol, alcohol, tobacco tax and trade bureau. The fact that they're going to involve the ATF, I, it doesn't make any sense to me. Um, Cause the ATF doesn't get involved in pharmaceutical production. So what the fuck? You know? make a whole heap of sense. Yeah. yeah. I, 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 Legally, it not, makes no not violence. much that bureaucrats do does make a whole heap of sense. So yeah, is that so? The next one is um, the FDA. There would be a center for cannabis products responsible for regulating the product labeling, distribution, sales, and manufacturing and retail elements of the cannabis industry. This to me means that the FDA is going to start pushing ISO certification. So, you know, good luck with your outdoor. I guess is the first thing I got to say. And if you're not doing greenhouse production or indoor, like you're in deep trouble if they pass that, um, because there's just simply no way you can be compliant in an outdoor environment. It just, you know, good well, luck. I mean, with these kind of tax numbers, there's almost no way that you, you can be profitable. Well, let me say in, in current market rate, uh, that oh, you yeah. can sell, it'd be very difficult to make any money on indoor. Like, Pretty much greenhouse is like the only thing that because yep. of its uh its efficiency and low cost it efficiency. is seen take over every almost every market almost every uh dispensary around here in oregon is dominated by greenhouse wheat which i'm not hating on it or anything i'm just saying that when you narrow the margin that much you don't really have a choice you kind of eventually just the cost that you pay in power to run an indoor is cut out by the, what you have to pay in taxes. You can't, yep. it's not sustainable anymore. Absolutely. Between the power costs and the regulatory costs, but with greenhouses, you can run ISO certifications and, and EU GMP and all these other high GMP standards without any type of problems and, and, and bank the farm on it. Right. And you simply can't do that with outdoor or with some of these other methods. So, um, it's kind of looking like the U S is headed that direction. So, you know, if you're listening now to this and you aren't doing that, you know, now's your time to learn because you're going to have to. Um, uh, and again, this is the type of stuff we were starting to set up over in Zim before the plague hit. Um, what is the next one here? Uh, the financial crimes enforcement network or FinCEN would need to update and issue guidelines certifying banks and credit unions that policy change means they can lawfully service legitimate cannabis businesses in the future. There is no timeline on that, which is the scariest part of that component. Um, you know, so they could pass it within 30 days. They could drag their feet for five years. Um, I think that needs to be a bit of a forced issue. I think they need to put, you know, a six month timeline the way they have everything else on here be frankly honest with you um but that that to me is something that that's a you're putting a big question mark and a whole lot of money and that's never a good thing next yeah, thing uh, like a example of why that's a bad idea to leave it open-ended just take a look at florida how many years did their medical market stay completely in limbo like not even a single product sold for multiple years 
if I remember correctly, because it was such a clusterfuck and it left so much stuff just open-ended. Like, yeah, we have a program and we're going to do it eventually. And it, they drug their feet for years before anything ever happened. And it was still fun. Um, the, the other thing I wanted to mention with Florida, if we're on that topic, is one, Florida is like a monopoly. There's, it's like an extremely pay-to-play. You have to have $4 million in the bank or something insane in order to even apply for a license, which is just ridiculous. Um, and, and extremely class uh, classist, among other things. Um, but w- one of the other components to it is the fact that, um, you know, Oregon, you know, what if you have a situation where the feds caught, and, 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 you know, uh, Marty, do you want to kind of summarize the clusterfuck that having with the conscience concentrate situation up in Oregon? Imagine if the feds caused a testing regulatory issue like that on a federal scale, that would be an immense Right. So just to give like the super high level version of what happened was as uh, one of the amendments to um, the original legalization bill, which I forget what the number was, but the original recreational bill here in Oregon had an an amendment to it, like maybe six months or so in. And part of that was to establish a system for um, testing concentrates. Um, state certified labs had to be, uh, had to certify all the product that got sold through dispensaries. And for whatever reason, everyone has a different opinion as to why it happened, but essentially it, it happened. So, you know, in a manner that the way they implemented it, there was about three months in which there were no uh extracts that could be certified because the state had not certified any labs at all to be able to certify the extracts to sell in a dispensary so eventually you know people started selling out of their back stock and they're like hey when are we gonna when are we gonna get the certification and when they finally did come out with the certification they only awarded it to three labs for the entire state so those labs were completely overrun um, and it created this big, uh, essentially wiping out of dispensaries uh, of current products. It had uh, back stock that it sold out of. So that was obviously good for the dispensaries, which is probably one of the, I would say, uh, maybe leading um, explanations as to what they wanted to do by doing this was clear out all that stock and sell it because it ended up being very profitable for people to own dispensaries, not so much for growers or extractors. So, but essentially by creating such a bottleneck, it allowed the dispensaries to sell the product they had and growers and extractors had to sit on product that they had back stock and sitting on the shelf. So, uh, until they could get it tested. And then obviously, um, especially some edibles are only good for so long. So if you couldn't get an edible tested, then it was just lost uh, money or you had to you know, eat it or <laughs> give it to one of your friends or you know, whatever. You know, and we're talking, some of these are like you know, mass produce edibles and concentrates. Um, so it turned into a really big problem until they finally got um, more 
lab certified and it eventually worked itself out but uh you they can unintentionally or intentionally depending on who you talk to uh again people have their own theories as to why but i do think that it was extremely beneficial to dispensary owners and that they got to sell basically every single bit of inventory that they had and then come back into a fresh market um, that was reset for all the rich people that could survive it as far as growers and extractors went. So it really shut down a lot of business in Oregon in terms of uh, extractors and growers that were growing almost specifically for extraction purposes. So at this time, you know, we, had, we had people that were harvesting you know, like just the tops of their their greenhouse plants and then the entire rest of the plant would just go to extraction. They wouldn't even trim it, they wouldn't do anything. So we're talking, you know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of pounds of uh, stuff that went to get processed into concentrates that they they had ready to sell, couldn't get certified and couldn't get them, uh, couldn't get their shit together enough to be able to get the product in the market, even if well, I should say the state couldn't get their shit together. Even if you wanted to, there wasn't a, a path for you to get it done. And once there was a path, that path was extremely limited, obviously, with just the three original ones that created such a bottleneck that it, it, unless you were had an in at each one of those, it essentially gave those three labs control over who got to a bear market first. And that is extremely valuable <laughs> in terms of the millions and millions of dollars that Oregon was making at the time and, and still is, but not, not quite as much. <clears throat> still doing a lot of sales, but way less grows, way less jobs, way less pretty much everything else. So that's kind of how regulations and uh, regulatory fuck ups um, really tanked the extract market for a number of people in Oregon. Well, uh, I can tell you in Oklahoma, the moratorium on new licenses starts August 1st in Oklahoma. So if you don't have one now, you have nine, 10 days to get your license in or you're fucked. So, uh, yeah. So Oklahoma is kind of slowly winding down. We're not saying turn off the show and go fill out your shit right now, but it wouldn't be a bad idea. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, get on the phone tomorrow morning with a, a lawyer and, uh, and get that shit filed. Um, if you haven't already, but otherwise after that, who knows what's going to happen with that? Um, you know, I have heard talk about transferring of licenses and resale of licenses, um, that hasn't been put into anything, <coughs> excuse me, right. solid, but, um, certainly something that's going to get increasingly harder in Oklahoma. Now there are a couple of bills that are up for vote, um, thanks to, um, a petition initiative. Uh, so we'll see if that overturns the metric stuff and everything else that's kind of caused some of those things, but, um, uh, yeah, there's no guarantees on any of that. Yeah. The metric is now, you, you have to basically buy a license from somebody else. And then you still have to go through the original license process anyway, as the new owner and pay for all that also. Well, so, As of May, you have to have all your genetics and the metric and everything else now. So it's it's really helped kind of constrict the market in Oklahoma. Although I will say that it's raised prices quite a bit on, on product. For sure. Money's got to come from somewhere, right? 
Right. Well, if it's compliant, you can get a better price for it. Whereas there's a lot of stuff that still needs to be put into compliance and that's, you know, headache. And one of the, one of the groups I was working with had some kind of weird metric glitch and everything's compliant. There's no issues. They had to deal with many hours of just fixing a bunch of errors thanks to metric. So metric is, uh, you know, this annoying devil that we have to deal with in our industry. And that's one of the other components that I was kind of curious about and, and concerned about is that, you know, the track and federal track and trace program is part of this bill. And, uh, you know, metric could become a federal problem um, and even worse than just a state problem. So we'll see how that works out. It's time um, to come over. Well, this is, and this is the thing that I think is the biggest issue I had with this bill. And it's the next thing I'm going to bring up. States, can choose to continue prohibiting marijuana production and sale, but they cannot prevent transportation of cannabis products between legal states through their jurisdictions. Hmm. No, no more. Yeah. If we're going to legalize, they're forced to allow it. No more of this bullshit. You are forced to allow people to have access to this medicine. No more bullshit. No more fake legalization. No more allowing counties or cities to prohibit this shit. Yes, Local you'll control end up with what I what we got here. Should never be allowed. It, when was I allowed to vote on the um, opioid dispensary at the corner of my street? I wasn't. Never. Okay, so unless I'm allowed to vote about opioid dispensaries that kill people, you don't have a right to tell me what I can do with my cannabis dispensary. It's just that simple. I mean, it makes sense to me, but obviously. Yeah. Well, anyways, that was a huge point where, you know, this should bar completely prohibit states from from prohibiting cannabis legalization. That that should be part of this bill. You know what? Fuck you. You're going to receive tax revenue from the federal bill. The federal tax is coming in off of this. You have to legalize it. It's just that simple. You want tax dollars? Okay, you got to allow it. That's reasonable. That's what they, that's what they, they did, did up here, here Steve. They, also, they gave counties in Oregon the opportunity to opt out of legal cannabis. Um, and But if they did, they didn't get any tax money. They said, if you opt out, you get none. You get, you get zero. So like Klamath County is like the only one down here of the southern counties. There's some other ones in like eastern Oregon and stuff. But the closest one to here is uh, Klamath County. And they missed out on millions of dollars for their their schools and their police departments, unfortunately, in my opinion. But uh, they missed out on a ton of money just because they they opted out and wouldn't allow any of the legal legal cannabis. And so I, I think that's a, you know obviously a mistake on, on their part, and I think it's a, a mistake to be in this bill. Like you're talking about, like um, the only thing that I would hope is that, I mean, I understand a lot of people are big on states' rights and, you know, all this other stuff, but I think the important thing would have to be that I, I would still, in whatever state that is, I would want to see why you're doing it, not an option to opt out, but bring forth new legal, new legalization with why you want to put it back on the list, you know, prove that it should be on prohibition. And if you can't, then it shouldn't be on there. So that's why I don't like the opt out part. Like to me, like it should be taken off and you should have to prove why it should be put back on as a state to your own, to your own people in your own state. 
not just opt out because that will give the lawmakers that are currently in power for that state to speak for everyone. They're not going to ask. They, they're not, I bet they don't even read a poll before they vote in a lot of these states that would opt out. You know what I mean? Like it gives them just way too much control to be able to just say, although we're, this entire state's going to opt out. So I say, no, you don't get to opt out. Like Steve's saying, like, we're legalizing it. If you want it to be illegal in your state, you justify it. You pass your own state laws, you manage your own state program, there's no more opting in or op opting out because it's federally legal now. That's what it's supposed to be. So that's why I'm not overly excited about, <laughs> even if it does pass, I don't know that it'll be good. And I've had that feeling about so many states before that kind of has that icky feeling to it. Yeah, this this really feels like Amendment 64 all over again. I'm just going to say it. It feels like a federal Amendment 64. Um, so we'll keep going through this. Uh, uh, you know, again, no state should be allowed to, to abstain from this. You know, they're not allowed to abstain from alcohol. They can't say that they can't carry opioids in a, in a pharmacy. They don't have any right to tell cannabis users they can't have that. So it's, it's just that simple. Equality is equality. Go fuck yourself. As the great Joey Stallone says, from prime pace of botany doesn't. I love you. Go fuck yourself. Goodbye. Anyways, establish a great uh, establish a grant program to fund nonprofit organizations that can provide job training, reentry services, and legal aid. And the program will be managed by the new Cannabis Justice Office under the Justice Department. What is that? Is that for people that are previously convicted of cannabis convictions? Is that just to train people into cannabis services? I, that's very vague and not well-written. Um, again, this is a summary of the, the thing from based on what I read earlier. DOG grants also go towards law enforcement hiring community outreach to combat a listen market. What percentage of that? That needs to be well-defined in this bill. We can't just giving them a blank check to say, hey, here's 75% of the taxes. This needs to be 5% or less of their taxation rate. Separate equitable licenses granted, grant and equitable licensing grant programs would provide funding for states and localities to promote participation in the industry by minorities and low-income people. Are they going to make exemptions for people that have federal um, charges for cannabis cultivation? What if they happen to have a pistol at their home because they had a grow? Are they going to be barred from entry into the market just simply because they were trying to protect themselves and didn't you know, pull it on anybody or try to hurt anyone and simply were in possession of a weapon? That's not fair to them either. You know, So this is the type of stuff that has to be well-defined. And if we don't do it now, it's never going to get addressed. Again, we, we already watched the destruction that has happened in multiple states, California being a great example with Amendment 64. They railroaded something through and then changed everything after the fact. You got to get it right the first time or shoot it down. You cannot pass something through just because it offers the first chance of legalization. We've watched too many states make that mistake. We cannot do it or allow it on the federal level. DOG grants. Uh, okay, so we went to that part. Um, separate equitable. Okay, we talked about that. 
Further, there would be 10-year pilot program throughout the Federal Small Business Administration for in intermediary lending to provide direct loans to eligible intermediaries that in turn make small business loans to startups in the cannabis industry. Businesses owned by individuals adversely impacted by the war on drugs and socially and economically disadvantaged in small businesses. How the hell is that determined? Are they strictly going to go into the hood? What about other areas that are maybe not defined as what is traditionally taught as, you know, I've always, I've always had a problem with it. Like, like, I've always like, what if you what made it through your career and never got caught? Like now you you get passed up because they don't have no record of you because you did everything right. You were smart. You fucking paid all your bills. You friggin' you dealt with the scent. You you covered your grow. You you know. So it's it, I mean, like it seems. I I agree. I, I agree. I I think a lottery is the way to go. And then it's just everybody is uh and everybody's just a number. You know, like I. I, I, I I completely disagree. I, 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 well, okay. I agree with everything except for the last thing you said, the lottery component completely just can't happen. Um, you can't have a business where your business model depends on whether or not you win the lottery for a business license. How are you supposed to raise the money that you're required to raise to be entered into the pool of people with licenses well, I would say no. I would like, say like, like, no. Like, no, just, no money required before you before you get your license. Right, but, but that that can't happen either because you have to vet people to a certain extent. You know, I I think that you sh- there should be. Right, a, sure. I think everyone can agree there should be a certain level of a fee for compliance and testing purposes and sp- to pay the inspectors that you know take care of the actual health component of this type of licensing. But um, you simply can't have some of these different things that. Uh, uh, are, are going on in the market and you certainly can't have the um, uh, uh, some of the stuff that's going on. But to me, that just says that they're going to you know, decide who's going to get these handful of licenses and everyone else gets screwed. And we've already seen this happen in Oakland and other areas where, you know, some of this stuff got completely derailed um, off of what the original intent of the law is. The intent of the law is to, to benefit and, and raise up people that were traditionally persecuted. Yep. No one has a problem with that at all. It's the implementation that often gets corrupted uh, when they're trying to implement those types of ideas. And we need to make sure, again, we've seen so many examples of these types of things in other countries and different states and even county levels and city levels where they did this right and did this wrong. And and the feds have to learn from that. I, I, I know the feds always make poor decisions, but we have had a lot of different examples of this stuff here in the United States. I feel like this is a bit of a different argument compared to a lot of the other ones that are often made. Um, people cannot be detained. Fe- uh, uh, I'm sorry. People cannot be denied federal benefits due to the use or possession of marijuana or for the conviction of a cannabis offense. This includes prevention of revocation of security clearances for federal employees. That's awesome. You know, people in NASA should be allowed to smoke weed. People in the DOJ should be allowed to smoke weed. Anyone listening to this podcast, if you work for the government, you should be allowed to smoke weed unless your fingers in front of a nuclear button or some other thing where you need to be fully aware and fully sober. That's what I want to smoke weed because they ain't going to be. Okay, all right. I take that back. Anyone (laughs) with their finger on a nuclear button needs to smoke at least three joints a day just to be on the safe side. But I don't want them to be dabbed out when we're like under attack, 
right? I think we can all agree on that one. Fair enough. Fair enough. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Apparently, my cat decided he wanted to be on the show today. Um, Federal employment drug testing for marijuana would also be prohibited with certain exceptions for sensitive positions such as law enforcement and those involved in national security. You know, man, a cop needs to to chill out more than anybody. Listen, I, police are not my favorite people on the planet. I don't think anyone that listens to the show knows, knows that that's, that's how I feel, but it doesn't know that's how I feel, but they should be allowed to smoke weed when they're not on the clock. But at the same time, like, I don't care what job you have. You shouldn't be lit as fuck when you're drunk. You shouldn't be drunk. You shouldn't be dabbed out. I don't care what it is. You know, if you can't do your job to 100% capacity, you shouldn't do X, Y, and Z. I don't care what it is. Um, but if you want to smoke on weekends and you happen to be in law enforcement or national security, I don't think they have the right to tell you what to do while you're not on duty. That's not right. Especially with the PTSD and other things that both law enforcement and some of these military members are having to be forced to go through. Fuck, that's the least thing we can do is, is get these guys a fucking joint on a regular basis. You know, thank you for your duty. Here's some weed. Right. In fact, uh, anyone veteran listening to the show, if you ever have a, a need seeds and you're desperate, let me know. I'll have to hook you up. Um, positions with the U.S. Department of uh, Veterans Affairs would be authorized to issue recommendations from medical cannabis to veterans. That's awesome because that's a huge problem right now. And many veterans get immense benefit from the uh, uh, various components of cannabis and the various ways that it helps them both physically and mentally and everything else. Probably the single biggest group that we can support with our cannabis efforts. Yep. Absolutely. Okay. So next thing, there would be a measure taken to prevent diversion, including the establishment of a track and trace regime. Further retail cannabis sales would be limited to 10 ounces in a single retail transaction. There you go, people. You can buy 10 inch, 10 ounces at a time, according to federal law. That's not unreasonable compared to what most of these bills are. So um, that's a win, I guess, overall. Um, you know, imagine going from one store to the next and buying 10 ounces at a time. You're doing all right, right? I don't think anyone's mad about that. <laughs> I, I don't think there should be a limit, but 10 ounces. Uh, are you buying t- how many off? How many times you're really buying more than 10 ounces, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Better than the 30 grams we're allowed to carry here. If you're we had a, somebody in chat, I'll leave him anonymous as uh, he lost his security clearance in, in 1986 with the United States Air Force for a hot urinary test. LOL. So I'm sorry, brother. Um, where were we here? Um, federal law would be amended to explicitly state that SBA programs and services available to marijuana businesses and companies that work with them. So uh, I'm not quite sure what that means, but uh, there you go on that one. Um, Government Accountability Office, GAO, uh, would require to facilitate a number of studies in marijuana policies, for example, evaluation of societal impact of legalization in states with recreational marijuana laws on the books, 
including information on impaired driving, violent crime and more. Well, that's pretty good because all the all the driving stuff kind of goes the way towards stoners because we've already proven a 47 percent reduction in fatal car accidents in Colorado in the first year. <laughs> among other uh, awesome statistics that show that cannabis legalization reduces deaths, it also reduces suicide. It reduces veteran PTSD suicide. Uh, and a whole bunch of other metrics that, you know, the feds aren't really helping us out in the pharmaceutical industry. So that certainly is not going to hurt us in any way. Um, the Bureau of Labor Statistics would need to compile de demographic data on businesses and owners, employees in the cannabis industry. I don't really understand the reason for that one, but sure. Um, employees. Employers with federal cannabis permits required under the legalization that violates certain federal labor laws could see permits rescinded, a bold policy proposal that would make marijuana industry uniquely labor friendly. What does that mean? Uniquely labor friendly. Does that mean they're going to allow employers to bend workers over? Or does that mean that they're going to protect workers? That's very horribly vaguely written. The United States Department of Health and Human Services would be required to work with the National Institute of Health on ways to promote research into the cannabis impacts. There would be a specific requirement to the study, the diversity of marijuana products available for research purposes. So they want to know what's going on. All right, that's fine. Uh, the bill calls for an increase in quantity, quantity of cannabis that's available for study purposes. I don't think anyone's opposed to that. I think we all need more cannabis research, regardless of how we feel about the topic. There would be targeted public education campaigns meant to deter youth consumption. States would be also receive funding for initiatives to prevent youth use, impaired driving, which would also include money for education and enforcement. I, you know, they got to lay off the driving shit. Cannabis is shown to reduce driving incidents. Um, you know, that they got to come to terms with that. That's not alcohol. At some point, they're just going yep. You know, there is a time when there is a time when like you're starting off and you're new into in the cannabis scene that you probably shouldn't be operating any heavy, heavy equipment or anything on it. I think, you know, when you reach the point to, that you can. If you've never been to a 710 cup and you just did 70 dabs in an afternoon, <laughs> yeah, you shouldn't get behind the wheel. But if you, you know, if you're just a daily dabber yeah. or you smoke every day and you go drive to the grocery store, you know damn well what your limits are and you know damn well when I can operate a vehicle. And, you're and probably you can, driving 10, 20% slower and more cautiously watching around. And yeah, you're, you're less on edge. You're absolutely. Yeah, right. And you can count on your fingers and toes the number of deaths that are attributed directly to someone that's intoxicated by cannabis in a, in a vehicular. Um, you know, incident, but even that's questionable because nine times out of 10, they're on multiple drugs. Yeah, exactly. There's never been a single incident of someone dying of cannabis intoxication or toxicity. It's never how been reported. They never, Every they, single they, person, they, they, including the one guy that jumped off the balcony that they try to like to say, he was on eight other drugs. <laughs> so you're going to tell me it was the weed, right? Yeah. Okay. It wasn't the other eight drugs or a synergy between the other eight drugs. All right. Yeah, sure. You somehow can figure that out, can you? All right. What'd you do? To fucking replay that back in a simulator or something or what? Anyway, I've been watching Orville. Anyways. <laughs> um, what do we got next on this federal bill here? 
Um, the Department of Transportation will be responsible for developing a standard THC impairment driving within three years of the bill's enhancement. This is a big problem. The feds have tried over and over again. So has the state of Colorado. So has the state of California. To, and so has the state of Washington to determine a, a THC impairment limit. It doesn't exist. If you and I dab every two hours, okay, we have a hell of a different uh, yeah, impairment level than someone that is a weekend warrior that smokes on Saturdays with his wife, you know, when they get back from dinner, right? Completely different type of smoker, completely different tolerance levels. The same way, you know, someone that drinks five days a week is going to have a different alcohol tolerance than someone that drinks once a month, That's right? right? They should not be treated the same under DUI laws, the same way that they shouldn't be treated the same way under cannabis laws, you know? And as someone who's been falsely charged with DUIs before in Colorado for protesting, I can tell you a lot of people are charged with DUI. We're not in any way violating the law. And it's something that needs to be very much destigmatized in the United States because many people that were falsely charged with DUIs were in no way, shape or form a danger to the public themselves or anyone else. It's something that we very much need to eventually get around and have a reckoning on. Yes, many people did die from a DUI car accident and it's horrible. And those people absolutely deserve justice. Many people are victimized by some of these insane laws, though, that are, you know, uh, far overreaching and, and very much victimizing people that in no way, shape or form are a threat to the public. So um, th this THC bill to me, seems like the same shit all over again. Um, the National Highway Safety, uh, Traffic and Safety Trans uh, Administration would be tasked with collecting data on impaired driving, producing educational material on the issue of state states to distribute to carry out educational campaigns. And lastly, vaping delivery system products that contain added natural and artificial flavors would be banned under the proposal. So no more added terps, which thank fuck. I'm so sick yeah, of that garbage. Cool. Yeah. Anyone that actually enjoys cannabis is not at all upset with that one. So yeah. um, that is a quick summary of the federal legalization bill. Um, you can go into it far more in detail. Uh, if you'd like, we're going to continue as they continue to iterate upon it. I'm sure this isn't the first version that's going to pass. Um, we'll continue to keep you guys updated, but we do want to kind of go through a bunch of the major points and spend at least an hour on kind of digging through um, a lot of the meat on this bill. There is a lot of question marks because it is very ambiguous about what the cannabis cultivation regulations are, which is probably the single most key component of the entire bill. And it's extremely vague. So um, Probably the single biggest concern with the bill. Well, my single biggest concern is what is their motivation all of a sudden to start pushing this bill forward? Like, there's obviously oh, somebody big behind the one. scene. I can tell there's you the answer to that one. Here's the deal: the election's close. Yeah, you're right. The, in the fall, the Democrats and the Republicans have a very even run because the Republicans one announced that Trump's going to run again, so that's fucked them. And they, the whole Roe v. Wade thing fucked them royal. Yeah. So the Democrats went from getting fucked completely to having a chance. Yeah. And now the Democrats want to force the weed issue and the Republicans are happy to work with them because, because they want a victory and the Republicans <laughs> are happy to work with them because the Republicans want to take it away as a wedge issue for the election. If they can deal with this problem before the upcoming election, and it's absolutely advantageous politically for them to take it away as a, uh, something that people can vote on as a state issue. 
So it prevents the Democrats from winning certain states because they have a legalization thing running. So it's advantageous to the Republicans long term politically to try and push the issue now before the election and take those states off the table. And if you think about it long term strategically, that makes 100 percent sense to think about it in that way. And people aren't thinking about it like a, a risk board. Right. They're thinking about it on that one little micro state. Yeah, they're not yeah. thinking about it long term, like two or three years from now. What's 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 their end game? Yeah, chess motherfuckers. Republicans want to win both houses. They're not going to do that if they have to fight a bunch of state ballot initiatives. It's just that simple. Yeah, okay, makes sense. It's going to get the Democrats enough of a margin to beat them in those states. Again, we're being highly conspiratorial here, but it, it's well-educated guesses on what's yeah, going on. I think that's a very well-educated guess, myself, my friend. How are you doing there, Wes? Uh, it's been a week since we've had you on. I've been doing good, man. Doing all right. Doing well. Living. Just working. Working. Some of my grow is filling up. Uh, I'm getting, getting ready to uh, flip, flip some more plants out of the, out, of the, out, out into the harvest field. And flip of a full table over, and I'm gonna fill out the full capacity. I think in the next in my room here this next month, and push a big run through, and yeah, just sit on a little more than usual. Um, yeah, just growing and growing and growing. Don't have much going on outside. I've been meaning to start a bunch of uh, liquid IMOs, uh, IMO stuff. I've collected a lot, a lot of insects now, so uh getting closer to that i'm gonna i'm gonna try a bunch of liquid imo collections like we were talking about there um then I, i've been meaning to get around to making a bunch of fpjs and stuff uh i've been sussing out some plants that i want to so like i'm gonna go with my uh, usual nettle uh nettle uh dandelions um and uh uh, but I also want to try some, I want to try using alfalfa this year and uh, a few other things. I wanted to try uh, some devil's club in there. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. A few other things, just a few other things I want to experiment with. But yeah, so a lot going on in the grove. I'm just uh, hanging out with family a lot. And yeah, just having a good time, man. How about you? What's new with you? Just working on edible stuff, trying to get that. Slowly but surely forward, getting all the recipes and sourcing and getting stuff ordered and in the mail and all that fun shit. And then um, just getting ready. We have the, the conference next weekend for the Organic Cultivators Conference. So I've been doing some IMO collections, some IPMO collections this week. I'll be doing some more this weekend. I'm trying to get a couple of different stages in, in you know, collection to show for the class. Uh, in the in the seminar this week uh, next weekend, um, so working on that, and then getting ready for the presentation over at the um, Masili at the festival, putting that together. We're doing a little bit of a workshop out there, so super stoked on that. Um, really excited to uh, uh, just get out of Oklahoma. It's been 112 degrees here all week Fahrenheit, which is 44 degrees Celsius God for the damn. That's, yeah, so that's, it's been hot and brutal. It's hanging by your knees, man. Yeah, so an excuse to go to Washington State and sit in a snow-filled lake. Um, yeah. Hell yeah, yeah. yeah no. That's a pretty much a no-brainer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so that's going to happen. Um, other than that, just uh, working on some longer-term stuff, have a bunch of planning stuff going, and then um, getting the uh, 
Uh, I have a mineral and microbe class that we'll have up on the website soon um, uh, to complement the pest class and the aquaponic cannabis class. Um, I finished getting the whole thing edited together. So now I'm just recording, you know, X number of slides per night. And then uh, once that's done being recorded, I'll start editing it up and getting it up on the website and you guys can buy it. So um, that'll be available soon. Um, we'll also have an aquaponic design and, you know, AP 101 course as well. So it'll kind of be three classes. You'll be able to buy all three of them or just one of them uh, once they're all done. Uh, kind of to complement the cannabis course, we, we do really cover um, far beyond any other content that's out there in the aquaponic industry, for sure, in terms of chemistry, pest management, many of the technical aspects of the industry. So um, we're trying to help provide that kind of as a supplementary uh, uh, thing for other people. Yeah, man, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, other than that, um, I'll be off to George. So, uh, between those two conferences, I'll be off to Georgia. So we'll have some new updates on the farm out in Georgia and, uh, some new, uh, grow updates out there. Uh, they'll be pretty close to getting everything up online. We have, a our inspection next week with the state of Georgia. So getting ready for that, we'll be doing an internal audit this weekend to make sure we're ready for our inspection. And um, last time we passed with flying colors, the last time the inspector came in Georgia, he told us we had the nicest facility he's seen yet in Georgia. And we're going to hopefully have the same kind of reaction again this year. So um, super excited for that, but it's also one of those where you have to do a lot of homework and you know make sure everything's right. So um, they did change the compliance regulations since last time. So we're just making sure that we didn't miss anything. Other than that, um, that's really been most of my week, really. I had some other not really important dramatic bullshit that happened with family stuff that's not really important. But uh, other than that, just chugging along. You know, industry is a bit of a weird spot right now. Anyone else out there knows what I'm talking about. So. We'll kind of see how this all shakes out. This federal legalization is certainly going to change things up quite a bit again from where they have been. So, you know, who's ready for the next curveball? Get ready. The roller coaster is about to get crazy again. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyways, uh, I guess that's about it. Um, anything, how can people find you? And uh, anything else you wanted to mention? I know you and I are working on getting together kind of a more laid back uh, kind of bullshit show. Uh, not bullshit show, but more of a not in, you know, 100% no, cannabis. Yeah. I guess maybe a better way to put it. Yeah, one of my, one of my yeah, dumb dick joke show. Yeah, something like that. But no, he'll be uh, cannabis. The show where we smoke the weed on the show. That's right. That's right. <laughs> That's right. You came up with a good name for the show. Oh, you know what? We'll we'll wait for that. We, until we, yeah, we gotta uh, wait on that. YouTube. Yeah, we'll wait until we get the YouTube secured. We gotta we go soon. Um, but yeah, we will have a new show here soon. Once uh next week. I was hoping to start next week, but we have some schedule stuff, so it might be the week after. Um, just because of me traveling. Um other than that, uh that's really kind of it. Uh, what, anything else going on with you in your garden? I know you've been doing a ton of different cultivar stuff. You're excited to flower stuff out for your pheno hunt. Um, anything you're particularly excited about? Um, is anything particularly? I keep getting new seeds, and that well, it's always that you know. Um, there's the the thing that I am that I'm loving that I've gotten back to that I just just gotten back out of cure was um, was Grandpa's stash by Ethos and I can't remember what the lineage on it but it was a uh, but fuck it's good smoke it's good smoke 
like usually most of his stuff is pr- i find very pretty and but la- a little bit lackluster uh, uh, elsewise this was some really good smoke it had re- had a really good nose to it. it it is very it is very lemony but and i don't really like a lot of lemons but uh this lemon i'm really into what uh what's been your best smoke this year and uh and shout out to uh to Bob Hempel, he was at episode 199. He's the best weed I smoked this year. He had a a Pam crossed with hash plant that was simply to fucking die for. It it, it reminded me of like the headiest of the heady from a long time nice. ago, where just coated in resin. It's basically hash because it's so freaking trichome coated. Um, it was just simply the most pleasant weed I smoked all year. Was that that Pam hash plant cross I got out at Humboldt. Um, so if that's something that you're uh uh you know, looking for it, certainly what I, I would absolutely recommend above anything else, but what has been your best to date? Let's see. Um, I had a, I, I grew a Oaxacan tie that I was really, really happy with. and really excited. Like in joint and doobie form, it, it just like, it just cooks my goose, like, and like long high, like I'm high all day on it. Like, it's like, it's like a four hour high versus where most usually a two hour high for me. So I enjoy that stuff that way, but I don't find it. I didn't find it that amazing through the vaporizers and stuff. And I, I did something, I don't know, something was lost there. Um, let's see what else. Um, there, there was that, uh, there was that G13 hash plant that I was running, that I was running there for a while. I didn't really like the flower structure of it, but I liked the nose and I liked the smoke off it, but it, it wasn't anything to write home about. It was, it was good, but um Uh, no, I haven't heard. Um, there was a someone mentioned something about uh, uh, Harvey Smith last time. That was kind of way off base. Harvey Smith, they were the is that that nutrient guy? MPK guy, yeah. Last episode. Yeah. So that something happened to him, and and that certainly was. I just wanted to clarify that from last episode that it's, he has been on live events as recently as a mo- you know a couple of weeks ago. So unless something happened extremely recently, he is uh, very much still with us. Um, I'll be honest with you. I, I grew the Ethos Hash Plant. Very disappointed. I, I never. Uh, had, I've never tried his Hash Plant. I haven't tried that one. Yeah, I, I very much. Uh, very much did not like that. I did. Just, I didn't get any keepers. And maybe I just got a shit batch of seeds. That I mean, sh- you know, nothing it against. Happened, but but it like, happened. I mean, you should get one in ten. I mean, like, yeah, exactly. You should get it one, at least one keeper. Yeah, yeah, something you're somewhat happy with. But not only that, but like the, just the they didn't yield well when I washed them. I have, I, I have had some some stuff from him that I've just been not happy with the yield and some stuff that I'm just like floored with the yield. Like, yeah, I, I, yeah. I understand. Anyways, I, again, I, I'm not knocking them. I'm just saying I have not been impressed yet. Well, <laughs> is, Dungeon Vault Genetics. Know. They're the ones that of all the cups I've gone to, they're the ones I've seen win three or four different cups and, you know, just crush it over everyone else. Remember the one year at the Duke Rose Cup, which is coming up next weekend. Um, they just slaughtered everybody. It wasn't even a contest. Yeah. They were so much, you know, so much terpier than everyone else with the 
um one that uh oh who grew that one that year it was um brandywine one and it was uh van ripster van ripster that one man that was just oof oof so good nice but i have some of the seeds from that line that i still have in my seed collection in fact some of those i actually gave to mr green jeans who actually has some crosses with it actually so if you ever if you hit up Mr. Green Jeans Garden, uh, he has some of those from that same line. Oh, cool. Yeah. He's a great guy. I hope to get him back on the show a little more regularly. It was cool to see him uh, on episode 300. He's yeah. a good friend. I, I really like him. He's, he's, he's very, he's, he's, uh, he seems really honest and he gets to like, it's, it's, it's exciting when he gets excited about something. Oh yeah, and he used to smoke. He used to no, uh, he used to play music with my roommate. So, oh cool. In fact, he has a, a bass that my roommate gave him. So. Pretty, nice. pretty great, pretty great dude. Both of them actually great dudes. Yeah, man. <sighs> um, other than that, uh, I think that we're we're about at the end of the show. Um, we just kind of you know we've never seen a federal legalization bill before that had this level of detail that actually had any chance of passing. So we wanted to make sure that we kind of jumped on and, and gave you guys a good rundown and um, kind of explain the, the key components of it. Obviously there's quite a bit that still needs to get sorted, but uh, yeah. That's a start. Someone asked, where can you get legit brandy wine? I believe dungeon vault genetics still has the line going. Um, you you can correct me if I if that's wrong, but I think I still have six or eight seeds left. I know I originally got twenty five, but I, I gave about half of them over to Green Jeans. Yeah, so Mister Green Jeans, I, anytime I get anything particularly peculiar, especially if I have extra, they send it to him, and he just tinkers with it. You know, he'll pop everything I send him and and pheno hunt it. So. <laughs> And then he'll, he'll crossbreed it and send me back stuff and be like, here, test this at whatever the fuck or give these out and tell me what it does or whatever. So he's a great guy. If you, if you aren't aware of it, uh, you know, if you're ever down and out or whatever or anything, hit me up. I'll, I'll kick you a couple. All right, guys. Um, it's been a fun episode. We've done about an hour. Um, hopefully you guys enjoyed it. We did have kind of a last minute episode yesterday. If you didn't check it out with Kevin McKernan, We'd break down a couple of different white papers that he was doing. I'm going to try and do, get a couple of other white paper authors. There's been a bunch of really cool white papers lately, and I happen to know many of the authors of them um, just from happenstance. So we're going to get them on the show and do a couple of cool shorts. So uh, if you see something random uh, out of our normal times, that's why. Uh, I'm really trying to get some of these more interesting um, guests on the show that can actually answer some of these more high-level questions that a lot of us are incapable of answering on a daily basis. So um you know, forgive the bit of weirdness with the timing, but we will have some really cool episodes here soon. Uh, other than that, um, if you're coming out to Oklahoma next week, let me know. Uh, we may or may not have an episode on Thursday, but we will definitely have an episode on Monday. Um, Matt Powers will be with us on Monday to do an episode of the Growing With Fishes podcast. Um, after that, I have guests coming into town because of the conference and stuff starting on Tuesday. So I think that we'll probably have off on Thursday. And we'll catch you guys the following week just because of travel and guests in town and everything. I just, I did, I, it's a lot to juggle. So um, uh, we will, our episode next week will be on Monday. So I do apologize for that. When am I moving to Ecuador? Uh, I don't know. If you give me a good enough reason to move to Ecuador, it certainly can be arranged. As long as my dogs can show up, you're good. 
And they have their passports, the doggy passports, so don't worry. <laughs> they get that over the COVID thing. Was, uh, if they ever have to go travel again, at least the dogs can come with, you know? Yeah. I yeah. trust them. Anyways, uh, thanks everybody for watching. Uh, Wes, how do people find you? Oh, uh, everywhere is uh, West Engine, W-E-S-I-N-G-I-N-E, uh, on all your platforms. If, you, if I'm there, I'm there. Fine, awesome. follow me. I'll follow you back. Uh, and uh, where can people find you, Potent? Find me at Potent Ponics and SoundCloud, YouTube, all the things. You can find me at Potent Ponics or Growing With Fishes. Um, you can also check out OrganicCultivators.net. I'll be speaking at the uh, conference there next weekend. Should be a lot of fun i'll be speaking on advanced green natural farming so that'll be a lot of uh, a, a lot of fun i haven't actually spoken on some of these topics before publicly so if you are going you're gonna you'd be in for a real treat um certainly going to cover some topics that we have not covered publicly before um we also have my at the festival um so that's going to be a lot of fun up in washington that's going to kind of be a, a really great time i'm going to teach uh, all about aquaponics and then have just kind of a nice relaxing weekend the rest of the weekend. So if you want to come hang out, um, you know, certainly looking forward to that one. And then um, Marty and I also have the apmjclass.com. Uh, be sure to check that out. We do have uh, a whole bunch of um, great info on how to grow aquaponic cannabis, both home and commercial scale. And the pestclass.com, where we've kind of taken in and done a long format version of the uh the pest course that we teach with the cannabis class, we integrated a bunch of different vegetable stuff on top of that, integrated all the, the pest management stuff from the advanced class, as well as a bunch of just new stuff that we haven't covered anywhere else. So uh, a really wonderful class. The pest class is about a one day class. The cannabis class is about a five day class. Um, we're constantly adding new slides. So that gets longer. Um, we regularly multiple times a year, add new things to the class. So uh, definitely something that um, we, we enjoy sharing with y'all. Um, there is somebody posting something in chat about the uh, Sisters of the Valley. Um, I have a fun photo to show you since you are a fan of the sisters. I want to show you something most fun. Oh, wrong year. Sorry. One second here. Apologize, guys. Oh, I had the wrong account open. One second. I've actually smoked weed with them, and I danced with one of the nuns. She's very nice. Nice. <laughs> I wanted to show my picture of us together at the nightclub because it's most excellent. <laughs> and the fact that I smoked weed with a nun is, like, certainly on my bucket list. I've lied about smoking weed to a nun, but never smoked weed with a nun. Lying to them about smoking weed to a nun is different than smoking weed with a nun. Absolutely. <laughs> it's a, to a much higher level. If anyone thinks I'm, uh, I'm BSing you here, here you go. There you go. Sister of the Valley. Smoked a blunter <laughs> in a nightclub in Vancouver. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> at any rate um definitely check them out if you're familiar with them but uh if not thanks for watching the show um we do really appreciate it it's been a, a long crazy ride over the years and uh i really do appreciate it uh, we will have matt powers again on monday 
uh, on the show on a Monday episode, uh, slightly out of our normal schedule. But again, with us not being on Thursday next week, um, you're going to have to to deal with that. So I uh, appreciate you watching the show and we'll catch you guys again on Monday. Again, you can find me at Potent Punk, SoundCloud, YouTube, all the things. Oh, there was one other thing I forgot about and I can't believe I almost forgot about it. Let me pull it up real quick. I can't believe I almost forgot about Jesse. So Jesse, who does all of our awesome t-shirts Ooh. and everything for the show, she had a bit of a bad week. So a very bad week, man. For those of you that don't know, Jesse lost her house on uh, on Tuesday or Monday. I forget which day it was. Um, but the roof and the top floor of her house got ripped off. There used to be children's bedrooms there and, uh, and a whole other bedroom there. <laughs> and instead, it's just the sky. So um, she has been a wonderful person for the show. She's helped us with numerous fundraisers for different people, a couple of different breeders with their T-shirts and stuff like that and everything else. So if you can. Uh, check her out over at jellybomb.com. You can find a link directly in the description. We're donating all of our sh- our shirts, any of the aquaponic or aquaponic canvas shirts, all the stuff that she does for us through the end of the year. Uh, we're donating 100% of the revenue uh, to her um, so that her and her kids can kind of help rebuild from this you know, horrible incident with the tornado ripping their house in half. Um, so um, she's, again, been an immense supporter of our show, immense supporter of the community of aquaponics and cannabis in general. Um, so we're going to donate a hundred percent of all of our vendor stuff to her as far as throughout the, you know, the end of the year uh, to try and help, you know, fix and make things right for her. So if you're able to uh, go ahead and buy one, we will be donating a hundred percent of the money to her. All right. Uh, I think that's everything I did. Want, I was very important to me that we covered that um, on the show today. Um, because she is such a big supporter of the show and she really has been over backwards for us a couple of different times to help us and the community with different people and different events and things like that. So, um, you know, we want to make sure we can support her as well any way we can. All right, guys, thanks a lot for watching. Uh, you guys can find us again next week on Monday. Uh, you can find a previous episode, SoundCloud, YouTube, all the things. Um, I have revamped my website, so it's much easier to navigate. You can go over there and check out all the different classes and services that we have available directly through potentponics.com. It's much easier now. I'm still doing some hammering, but it's a lot easier to navigate everything if you list 